some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Walking down 29th and Park I saw you in another's arm Only a month we've been apart You look happier Saw you walk inside a bar You said something to make you laugh So that both your smiles were twice as white as ours Yeah, you look happier, you do Ain't nobody hurt you like I hurt you Ain't nobody love you like I do Promise that I will not take it personal, baby If you're moving on with someone new Baby, you look happier, you do My friends told me one day I'll feel it too And until then I'll smile and hide the truth That I know I was happier with you Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah Sat in the corner of the room Everything's reminding me of you Nursing an empty bottle And telling myself you're happier, aren't you? You look happier, you do My friends told me one day I'll feel it too I could try to smile and hide the truth I know I was happier with you Welcome, ladies and germs, to episode 285 
of the Hoots Podcast. Correct. 285 editions of the Hoots Podcast. The countdown to 300 continues for 15 episodes away from reaching 300. And I just want to say thanks to every single one of you who support the podcast from day one. I'm very thankful for that. As I say that, I'm recording it on the night of Thanksgiving, as you hear this later on this weekend. I hope you guys had a wonderful time with your families. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and enjoyed the football as much as you can. I apologize in advance for my Chicago Bears being on national television again, (laughs) playing against probably the most depressing sports organization on God's green earth, the Detroit Lions. So I apologize in advance for that, but Nonetheless, I hope you had a good time with your family. I had a good time uh, with my family today. Uh, again, to play guitar again with my grandpa was really cool. And um, I got to enjoy that. And, you know, I don't know I would say that I live in a bachelor pad or anything like that. But, you know, just being a single guy living on my own in my own apartment is kind of cool where I can, like, adapt my schedule into how I go about recording and stuff like this. So I know usually we drop this podcast during the day on a Thursday. And we'll get back to our regular routine next week. But, um, you know, just in life and especially in media, and especially in broadcasting, you got to adapt. And um, I'm recording this at 10.06 right now as I'm speaking to you and um, ready to shoot the shit. And there's a lot to get over and talk about. Uh, got to get over what happened at uh, Survivor Series this past Sunday. So we'll hit a lot of that in the WWE segment. Um, we'll also do what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. I am flying solo this week. Brother Carter is attending to his family and having some time down in Austin, Texas. So Brother Carter will not be on this broadcast this week, but hopefully next week. I don't know how long Brother Carter is going to be down there in Texas. (laughs) So we'll have to figure that out. But it's just me and you guys this week. So hope that's not too much of an issue. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, it's a live sports wrestling a podcast, and I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you and we're having a conversation about wrestling, kind of like your back porch field conversation. It can get uncensored at times, but it's really nothing that I wouldn't want to make people feel uncomfortable while listening to the show, but we do have some real deep-down conversations, and yeah, a couple of curse words pop up here and there, but more importantly, this podcast is about um, embracing the positivity that comes with being a professional wrestling fan. And, you know, showcasing the good things about wrestling and also pointing out double standards and just ridiculous stuff that you see on wrestling Twitter and websites and podcasts. So uh, this podcast is for everybody. Uh, you can agree or disagree with what I have to say. I know a lot of people have differing views on how I look at AEW and my feelings on their product. And I'm okay with that. I'm more <laughs> than okay with that. I, I'm I'm one I'm one of the few people on this earth that can really say that I stick to what I believe in and I speak for myself. I'm not gonna speak for you. I'm not gonna speak for anybody. You you are allowed to think for yourself. You're allowed to think what you want to think. And I don't want people to feel like they need to go latch on to what people say to form their opinions on wrestling. I appreciate if you gain any knowledge or you get a different perspective from me and you hear from what I said and maybe you agree with me and that's cool. And if you disagree with me, cool. All fair game, right? Uh, but all in all, with this podcast, my goal is to show you that, hey, I speak, I'm a man, I speak for myself, and I 
want to showcase a bigger picture thinking perspective in wrestling talk than just doing the week-to-week minutiae of going over booking and going over every segment of every show. We don't do that here. And um, I've been doing this show for six years and very proud of the success we've had and very excited as we continue to reach out to episode 300. And uh, again, I, I can't be more thankful and grateful for the support you guys given this show particularly because uh, this show wasn't even supposed to last a year. I didn't know how long me and Adam were going to do a show together. It was like a side idea. Like at that point in 2016, I'm going to share a little story with you guys before we get into the Q&A this week. Um, in 2016, I was uh, really considering putting podcasting to the side. Not, not that I was considering like, moving on from broadcasting or anything, but I needed a break uh, for wrestling media. And at that part of my life, uh, I was going through some personal stuff and some stuff that I was just mentally and emotionally burnt out at that time. And I wasn't sure if I was going to do another show because I was already doing a a three-hour wrestling talk radio show at that time for three straight years. Think about that. Three straight years of uh, trying to book guests and doing a radio show on your own where you're running the board by yourself, you're hosting, you're taking calls, you're editing the show on your own, uh, you're, you're creating commercials, and you're promoting, you're doing six different things to pump out one show. And I don't think a lot of people really understand the grind and the aspects that come into actually being a wrestling content creator, whether you're a blogger, whether you do reactions, whether you do shows like this, or a regular podcast, or even in my case, uh, I I make transcripts for a living. I have a website. You should check it out. It's called uh, ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. But anyways, when it comes to uh, being a wrestling media member, there's a lot that goes into it than just me sitting on this chair and talking to you guys. (laughs) I wish it was that simple, but it's not. And more importantly, it's not for everybody. And I... You know, growing up as a kid, I was very shy and very reclusive, and, you know, I hit a lot of things in, and I think to a certain extent, I'm still kind of an introvert in a lot of ways, but I've been burned by a lot of people, so when it comes to the time where I start opening up to people, I usually get burned, so it's never intentional for me to not not come off as standoffish or whatever or recluse, it's just that... I know who I am and I know what energy I want to surround myself with. And if I let you in and I trust you, then you get to see the good side of me. If I could tell that you're a piece of shit and you can't, can't be trusted. I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to deal with you. I'm not going to spend any energy on you. That's the difference. I'm not going to come and talk crap about you. I'm not going to do this or that. You can go on your way and I'm just going to do my own thing. Right. And, um, I've been doing wrestling content work for eight to nine years now. And I've been very fortunate to accomplish a lot of things I've been able to accomplish in this particular field at my age. And I'm very humble for the fact that I've had wrestlers reach out to me and say that they like the transcripts that I do, that they take the time to, that they appreciate what I do. And I try to pay respect to the business instead of being the mark and, you know, doing uh, match ratings and, booking takes and all this other extra crap. Like I've had wrestlers from a lot of different companies reach out to me over the years and they didn't have to do that. Uh, they did it on their own accord and it's really cool. And I, I'm very appreciative and I'm very 
cognizant of the uh, position I am, the responsibility that I have to dish out good wrestling content that pays respect to the business. Regardless of how I feel about AEW, I put as much effort into the transcripts for their shows as I do anything else. I have a strict policy when it comes to the transcripts that I do give an excellent effort to every article that I do. I did 7,000 words for full gear. I wrote down the entire CM Punk and MGF promo segment last night. You know, I don't really put my personal taste over what I do for my coverage. It's very different, and I'm, I hold myself to a high standard because I believe in what I put out. You know, I believe in the work I put in. I believe in what I do, and I believe in what my website represents. And I believe on what this podcast represents. Look, guys, we've had a lot of rotating people come and go on this podcast as far as co-hosts. Started the show with... Uh, but Adam Daly, my brother, I miss him. I haven't heard from him in a while, but I miss him. I still love him. Um, you know, without him, I always say it all the time, without him, there is no Hoops podcast or whatever it was called back then. Uh, this show is not just about me. And uh, we had a lot of great people over the years contribute to this show, from B-Rob to Matt to Bert Carter, basically become my new co-host of the show. Um the help from the guys from SNE like Blake and Andrew, I really appreciate their support. And, you know, uh, appreciated the support of the guys like uh, Sam Piopo and Patrick Fritz and Chris Aletta and uh, Nate the Great uh, and referee Tony S. A lot of you guys uh, keep me pushing and continuing on with this show. And I really appreciate the support you guys have given this podcast and what it represents. And I appreciate you guys understand what I'm trying to do with this show. Um, and look, we all have different wrestling opinions. I'm not going to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong. That's just not how I carry myself. That's not how I conduct myself as a person. Uh, I really don't need validation from other people to fit in with a flock. Uh, I'm not, not really a person that really wants to fit in with people. I don't need to fit in with people. I live in my life on my own terms. And as I always say in the podcast each week, you've got to be the authentic product that is yourself. I know I'm spending some time in the intro uh, expressing some real thoughts here, but I wanted to come on here and be honest with you and tell you why I'm very thankful for the support you guys have given this podcast because without you, the show is just another show. Without you guys, uh, it's serving no purpose. And the only reason why I'm doing Rust Media is to serve a purpose and uh, study the business the right way. And hopefully one day I get to work in the industry and learn for the people who actually do it instead of the people like Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez and the list goes on and on. Um, I'm very proud of what the show represents and it's very, it's a hundred percent, uh, a blueprint of you guys, of you guys and your support. And I just want to say thank you for that. Um, it hasn't been easy, <laughs> you know, recording, uh, Doing this project and just doing WrestleMania in general is a fucking grind. And anybody who does it knows what I'm talking about. It's a grind. It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of motion out of you in a good way and in bad ways, too. Um, it's time-consuming. And it's something that you have to be good at it. One, you got to be consistent with it, too, more importantly. And three, you got to be in it for the right reasons. If you do it... If you're doing it for clout or trying to get over on wrestling Twitter, I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. 
I'm doing this because this is my life. This is what I do for a living. This is something that I enjoy. This is something that it's a good mental release for me. Uh, I kind of treat my podcast as therapy. It's like I said, I'm still in some ways introverted and shy sometimes. So I know the times where I do talk a lot, (laughs) which is very few and far between throughout the week, is right here with you guys. So uh, you guys are getting a glimpse into the life of Josh Lopez. And um, I'm very um, grateful for you guys for allowing me to be vulnerable with you guys, you know, and being honest and open with you guys and i've shared a lot of personal stuff on here over the past year so i've done i've dealt with a lot of shit i've had a lot of curveballs thrown my way and i've dealt with some unfortunate people along the way but all of us do in life and instead of beating myself down to the point where i wanted to stop doing this because of that i kept on with this show and you know even when i got my heart broken about a couple years ago the success of this show just went higher and higher. And it's because of that drive and ambition that I have in myself, of course. But it's also for the fact that I feel like the concept that we're producing here is meaningful and it's having an impact on people. And I, it's a it's a challenge. I'm glad that people appreciate and enjoy the concept of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. I'm very grateful for the fact that we have a Q&A segment that we can record each week and that I can talk for you guys for 40 minutes and answer questions and a lot of different stuff, not just wrestling. I'm very I'm very happy with that. I'm very humbled by the fact that people do care about the show. Yeah, am I Sam Roberts? Am I the Solo Monster? Am I, am I even uh, Peter Rosenberg? No, I don't want to be those guys those guys. I want to be Josh Lopez. That's who I want to be. And maybe I don't have a lot of the numbers that all the other people do in around the world, but that's not why I'm in this. I'm in this to change the game. I'm in this to be myself and learn the wrestling business the right way and embrace it for what how great it is. We have the most versatile form of entertainment, yet each week we find ways to take it for granted with the most silliest, idiotic debates over stuff that doesn't matter in the fact that this form of entertainment is not a sport and we allow things that are subjective and we try to paint it as fact. There's no right or wrong in professional wrestling. We all have different tastes. I like what I like. You like what you like. And I come in here and tell you, and I speak for myself, of what I like (laughs) throughout the week, just like anybody else. I'm not going to tell you that you're an idiot if you don't like what I like. I'm not. I'm not JD from New York. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do that shit. I'm not going to come in here and pop a blood vessel over a professional wrestling show. I'm just not going to do it. So, I know I got very long winded, and I I've been uh, expressing a lot of raw and real feels with you guys. But that's the charm of the Hoops podcast. Um, this podcast has done a lot of good things for me. A lot. It's done a lot of good things for me for my mental health. Uh, it's done a lot of great things for me personally from a confidence point of view and uh, being reassured that I could be myself and not really give two shits what people think about me because I don't. And I'm very grateful for the fact that I had this platform to be myself and talk with you guys. So, again, for everybody, thank you for making this show what it is and providing this show to be the outlet that I need throughout the week to escape from the stuff that I deal with. Honestly, thank you guys. I 
I can't thank you enough for that. I, I really can't. So, all right. <laughs> Let's get into the questions. Let's get into the Good Brothers Q&A session that we do here each and every single week here on the Hoots Podcast. All right. We're going to start it off with the Good Brother Chris Zaletta at X Team Zaletta 24X. It says, what up, Oos? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Who you have been thankful for this fantasy football season? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Nick Chubb, of course. I had to start with him because that guy is a beast. I know Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL, but a far number two option is Nick Chubb. That guy is a beast, and uh, I can always rely on him and get a lot of points. Um, I also think that um, – you know, before he got his ACL injury, Robert Woods was doing some good stuff for me for, like, fantasy-wise. Like, I had him in the flex position. He was balling up before he, unfortunately, uh, tore his ACL. So, that kind of sucked. Uh, so, Robert Woods was another good pick. Um, recently, the New England Patriots defense has been <laughs> uh, it's been good to me on fantasy football. Um, I'm not going to share who my quarterback is because I think you guys would be surprised by – who, who is my quarterback on my team. So uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, just wanted to say here, uh, yeah, those are the few guys I would say that have been really good for me. Uh, fan, that's, who, that's who I've been thankful for this fantasy football season so far. Also, Tyler Lockett, too. Whatever he's actually targeted, damn Seahawks. Is mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish? Oh, hell yes, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matthew Judon. I'm, I'm going to have a take here, and some people are going to be pissed at me, but that's okay. I think mac and cheese is 100 times better than stuffing. I think, one, stuffing is overrated. Two, it tastes like shit sometimes. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you guys. I would have just turkey and mac and cheese any holiday of the year over stuffing and yams and all this extra crap that comes with every Thanksgiving season. I'm just going to be honest. A good, real good mac and cheese, by the way, not the crass stuff, not the stuff you could put on the microwave or anything like that, like some real homemade mac and cheese. Is a of course is a Thanksgiving dish. It's one of the few good ones that are out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think Alexa Bliss will return? Do you think she'll remain the fiend or back to the goddess? Um, that's a good question. I've been thinking about this recently because you would think that Alexa Bliss would probably come back before the Royal Rumble. If anything, I would have Alexa Bliss make her return at the Royal Rumble. I mean, who's she really going to go in and have a feud with right now? So, I got, I don't even know what branch she's on, too. That's the thing. We have a lot of people that are out there with injuries and stuff. Like, Bailey's out, but you probably would expect her to be back on SmackDown because they don't have a lot of female dominant stars there. So, you would think that Bailey would uh, fit on SmackDown more than Raw. But, like, when it comes to Alexa Bliss, I think it would be probably better for her to go back to the goddess and I would have her come back as that at the Royal Rumble. That's what I would do. Thoughts on the men's war games match. 
Uh, I, I, I love it. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I know some people are like, oh, this is really thrown together. I mean, if you really pay attention to NXT 2.0, and here's the thing. A lot of the stuff that you see that's live tweeting from wrestling Twitter and you know who, uh, a lot of people hate watch wrestling. (laughs) Uh, It's not some new observation. I mean, anybody with a common sense brain could tell that people hate watch certain shows. And I feel like a lot of people just find reasons to shit on NXT 2.0 instead of actually watching the show. And being the person who breaks down these shows and the transfers, I'm allowed that opportunity to look at the bigger picture and see where they're going with certain things. And if you have, you can honestly tell people are not watching the show by saying that this was thrown together because Pete Dunne uh, has been feuding around trying to get the NXT North American title for months. And you have the feud with Carmelo Hayes and Johnny Gargano. You have Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker. LA Knight and Grayson Waller have been going back and forth for a couple months. The story here is the new era of NXT versus the old school guys. It's new school versus old school. It's a simple story. These guys have interacted with each other. It's not thrown in together. Uh, Yeah, it's Tony D'Angelo out of the blue. Maybe, but here's the thing. He's one, he's been one of the breakout stars for NXT 2.0 as one of the few guys in this new era of NXT. So why wouldn't he be in a match? It's new school versus old school. Like, hell, I wouldn't even have Andre Chase if you wanted to have more people in this match. But to say that it's thrown together, you're not really paying attention to the show. You're looking for things to shit on, and you just look at what's posted on Twitter instead of actually watching the show. So, uh, Not you, Chris, but you know what I'm saying. Um, next question. Why do you think we haven't seen Regal while on NXT? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Regal, and I don't know what's going on with this new injury with Samoa Joe. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully he comes back soon. Um, I, I have I got nothing for you, uh, <laughs> Chris, unfortunately. Uh, I will say that William Regal's son, Charlie Dempsey, has been doing some good stuff on NXT UK recently. So um, I don't have no new updates on William Regal, but I would love to see him back on TV soon because I thought he was doing the on-air authority figure a role very well. Um, any chance of Moose doing Wrestle Kingdom this year? Um I'm going to say no, only for the fact that um, Impact is doing their Hard to Kill pay-per-view, which I think is going to be on January 8th or somewhere in January, uh, early January. And I, with all the stuff with COVID right now, um, I just think it would be a long shot for Moose to do uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And look, I know that Wrestle Kingdom is three days this year, but... Outside of those first two days, and the third one being New Japan versus Noah, uh, which I think is really cool. I think that's going to be awesome. But um, as far as Moose is concerned, I just think it'd be rushing it too early. I would love to see like Moose and you know Finjuice finally come back to uh, Japan. Uh, I love to see Eddie Edwards there. Uh, a lot. I would even like to see. Um, Matt Cardona out there, or Josh Alexander out in Japan. But 
we still are in a pandemic, right? So uh, I just think it would be a far shot. I, I would love to see Moose there at Wrestle Kingdom and have the rematch with Ishii that they added uh, resurgence, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, next question. Do you think any major promotion will, roll, will run a show again at Hammerstein Ballroom? You know what? I'm kind of surprised that AEW hasn't done a show at Hammerstein Ballroom because they're so fixated on doing tropes from ECW back in the day. Like, what? why wouldn't they have a show at Hammerstein Ballroom? Hell, have like an AEW Dark special or something like that. Actually have some storylines on the show instead of useless matches and pad stats. You know, hell, even have a, a Rampage, you know, have like an AW Rampage show at Hammerstein Ballroom. You know, you can make it a two-hour special if you want. Um, I don't I don't know why they haven't done that. I I would love to see MLW uh, returns to the Hammerstein Ballroom. I think that'd be great. Um, I would love if New Japan done a special at Hammerstein Ballroom. I think that'd be really cool. Uh it's a great venue, and obviously, Ring of Honor is taking a lot of sales out of people in the pro wrestling landscape. But um, hell, why why can't Impact afford uh, wrestle uh, not wrestling? Why can't Impact afford going to the Hampstead Ballroom? I mean, they'll get more energy and more people in the Hampstead Ballroom than wherever these rinkety places that they're going to right now. Like I want to enjoy Impact. I like the wrestling on there. I think some storylines are good and some are hit and miss, but the energy for the crowd is just there. Like it, I, I can barely recognize it. The crowd suck. I think the audio uh, levels for the crowd sucks. Um, you can tell that Matt Stryker and Dee LeBron are in a soundstage studio and that takes away from the aura and the energy of the show. And I feel like... Um, I, you know, they had that sound stage in Nashville that they're doing the Skyway Studio, right? And now they're doing this at this gambling hall in Vegas. Like, Impact, you got to get your shit together. I'm just going to keep it 100. Because you get more energy out of an NWA crowd, and you're probably going to see that in a couple weeks at Hard Times, too, at the GPB Studios, than you get for any Impact show. Uh, they need to get their shit together. I'll say that. Uh, but I want to thank Chris for the questions this week, my brother. I appreciate you. Um, next batch of questions this week comes from the good brother Nate the Great at Psycho Nigiri. Uh, make sure you follow him at Twitter. He's a good dude. Uh, what is your favorite part of the holiday season? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think for Christmas and Thanksgiving, uh, it, it's a lot to do with what I did today. Uh, it's just get to play guitar with my grandpa, spend time with him. Um, my grandpa uh, has played a big role in my life, and I look up to him a lot, and I enjoy his company, obviously. So getting to spend time with him means a lot to me. And uh, get to hang out with my cousins and stuff like that, get to see my mom, which I don't get to see a lot because I moved out and stuff. But um, it was just cool to see all of them today. So I think like that, and, you know um, – I, I love the holiday season because it's it's also very busy, too, with the wrestling business with a lot of the shows that are going on. So I, I keep busy, and I don't let, like, the stress of holidays, like, bring me down. It's, it's not something that I think about in some ways. 
Um, but uh, I like the holiday season. I like the Christmas songs. I'm not over the top, and I'm definitely not a Grinch. I'll, I'll say that. I'm not a Grinch. <laughs> but <laughs> I do enjoy the holiday season for what it is, but I don't go overboard or over the top with it. You know, you're not going to see me <laughs> uh, wearing a Christmas hat and, you know, doing all this extra shit in the end of November before December. I have a Christmas tree set up here in my house, which is really cool. I want to thank my mom for helping me out with that. But uh, I, <laughs> you'll never catch me doing uh, being over the top about holidays. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, next question. How big of a smile is on your face when you get to hear CM Punk speak? A big smile, man. Um, everybody knows that listens to the podcast that I'm a big CM Punk fan. I love CM Punk. Uh, he's my all-time favorite wrestler. So the fact that Punk is back doing this thing is just phenomenal. Um, I'm going to talk about the segment that he had with MGF later on in the uh, in the AEW segment. Um, it was phenomenal, and I'm really excited to talk about that later on. But um, anytime I can see Punk on my TV is good. I'm happy that he's back. It seems like he's enjoying himself more importantly. And that, that's what makes me happy. You can tell that he wants to be there. Uh, he's having a good time. And, again, I could call Space Vader just because I don't like everything that Ada does doesn't mean I don't like anything they do. I, <laughs> we got to make that perfectly clear. But uh, I, I always have a big smile on my face when I see CM Punk on my screen. And it's cool to see him you know, be himself again, and he's cutting good promos and having decent matches, and um, I'm just curious to see how 2022 looks uh, for CM Punk. I'm very excited to see where that goes. Next question. Do you think anyone should ever break Rick's record? Randy or Cena or someone else? Um, that's a great question. That's the thing, though. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. Do you want somebody to get up in that level of towerings where in this ADD culture where people throw a hissy fit over people playing Hobbit's Halo with championships and everything, you know, everything in wrestling today is about booking? I don't know if you want to do that. I mean, what's special about what's going on with Roman Reigns right now and his towering is the fact that it, not only it's long, but it's a towering that's going to stand the test of time for a long time. Um, I would love to see Randy Orton break Rick's record because of their history with each other. If Cena does it, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But um, I just don't know who else you would get to that point where they have that many title raids and they would get into that category. Uh, but if it, anybody were to break uh, Rick Flair's record, I would love to see uh, Randy Orton break it. That's a great question, though. Next question. Uh, favorite and least favorite holiday food. Okay, very easy. Uh, favorite holiday food is mac and cheese. Least favorite holiday food is stuffing. There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a good one here. Do you do a New Japan and WWE 6, 8, or 10-man tag team match the same or do you approach similar matches differently? I'm glad you asked that because uh, there's a lot of different <laughs> processes I go from a mental point of view when it comes to like transcribing the matches. 
And you you are looking at the expert of typing down six eight man and tag team match, ten man tag team matches. Um, it's very different for a lot of different companies. It's uh, one New Japan uh, trios match is totally different from a WWE trios match. Um, it's one of the reasons why I point out a lot of the stuff with the referees because I tell you guys a lot of these trio matches are one of the longest ones to really like type out. Like anytime I have a match with the Yup, the the goof the goof squad and the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage, like their match that I typed out at full gear, it took me almost fifty minutes to type out, you know? So it's it's very different because you have to do a lot of multitasking and it's not me just typing out what's going on in the ring. I'm also pointing out spots that are going on the outside. I'm pointing out to the fact when the heels are making the referee look stupid. Uh, there's a, a lot that I have a very different approach. And, you know, one of the good things about what WWE does is I, I think the in-ring content, whether it's pay-per-views or weekly TV shows, it's very good. Especially on XUK, which is my favorite show that WWE does. Um, but when it comes to the concepts of a trios match or an eight man or a ten man taxi match, shout out to Teddy Long, by the way, former guest of the PWE show. Um, <laughs> holla, 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 player. Uh, but like my approach is very different from a WWE match than like a New Japan or AEW match because they don't give a shit about the referee. They treat them like crap. They're hell. I, Zuki shoves down the referees during the match. Like, you can watch a match with House and Torture, right? The new subgroup in Bullet Club. And they'll have a match against LIJ. So it's like it's like it's Evil, Yujiro, and Show against Naito, Sonata, and Hiroma, right? That, let's, let's play out that match, right? You go to the outside. Evil's wrapping a chair over someone's dude. Uh, someone's neck, and either he throws him into the ring post or does that home run shot. And nobody gets disqualified. Or the multiple times where Evil will grab somebody and run them right into uh, the barricade and knocks over the ring announcer in the process. You know what I mean? That spot he does all the time. Like, that happens a lot. And there's a lot of bad officiating in New Japan and in AEW. Uh, And those matches take longer to type out because... It's all over the fucking place. Like, I know a lot of people enjoy spot fests and a lot of that crazy stuff. But, like, for me, it it is possible to have a trios match where you're actually having some psychology and actually not making the referees look stupid the entire time. So my approach is very different. And, yeah, WWE has a formulaic style of how they approach the wrestling matches. But I know what they're doing. I, they have an identity, so I know what to expect and what their match would look like from a six-man tag. With AEW and New Japan, just because it's all over the place doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> so it, it's very different. I'm, I'm typing down a lot of different things, but once I'm done typing the match, I'm asking myself, did I gain anything out of this? Like, what was the story of the match? <laughs> because you'll have a match as a spot fest, especially at AEW, and because of freaking brouhaha after the match, like an afterbirth, and it's like all over the place. So like I can't really tell the difference sometimes sometimes from a new Japan trios match or AEW match uh trios match because they're all the same. They they do the stupid brawl off the outside during the match. 
nobody knows how to hold a tag rope or can't decide when they want to run into the ring or not. It's just, it's all over the place. Like, I could do, like, a full show, really explain my process of transcribing a match uh, for all these different companies. And it's very different. Um, and <laughs> there's certain things that just annoy the crap out of me, and trios matches are one of them. If I could go through one week and not have to do a trios match from AEW, my life would be better. You know, especially recently, they keep doing these things with, like, Nyla Rose and Emmy Sakura, the buddy against a uh, cavalcade of other performers. And it's just, oh, God. <laughs> I could go on and on all day with this, but I don't want to bore you guys with that. So, <laughs> um, okay. Next question. <laughs> Are you excited for Jonah's run and impact in MLW? Yes, I am. Uh, very excited to see what he does, and who knows? Maybe he might pop up in the NWA. They have a pay-per-view coming up uh, next Saturday, I believe. Uh, NWA Hard Times Two. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he does. I, I enjoyed his work at XT. I think he's going to do some really good stuff there. So yeah, I, I would say I'm very excited for Jonah's run uh, and impact at MLW. Uh, last question for Nate here. Uh, he says, "Do you think New Japan could improve their tournament?" tournaments in any way. Um, I say no because I think Huge Pad is the company that does tournaments right. And I like the fact that they are able to adapt whatever injuries go down or stuff like that. Um, I'll say that for me, I really enjoy, I just enjoy that energy and the vibe of Huge Pad tournaments. It's fun for, for me to transcribe. You know, there's 19 shows at the G1 this year. There's 19 in total for this <laughs> Best of the Super Juniors tournament and World Tag League Tour. It's a lot of, there's a lot of shows. There's a lot of matches. But I think when it comes to people looking out for what, what really looks like sports-based, New Japan does it right when it comes to their tournaments. And I will give them credit for them for, them, for that. I love Rob Robin tournaments. I love the fact that you can actually have a point system that's actually followed through with <laughs> and not for storyline purposes. Um, I, I do enjoy it. And I, I would just say, I don't know what they can do as far as like improving. I don't think there's much to improve from a formatting point of view. It just sucks, you know, with all the stuff with COVID that we haven't been able to see some of the bigger stars uh, participate in some of these tournaments, especially like the new Japan Cup, you know. Uh, a lot of just regular domestic performers on the card uh, for the new Japan Cup this past year. So, you know, comes with the territory, the yin the bag, but you know what I mean. Um, I want to thank Chris and A for sending some awesome questions this week. You guys killed it as always. Um, if you guys want to participate in the Good Brothers Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or hit me up at uh, the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. So I want to thank you guys so much for saying questions this week. And when we come back, we're going to get to what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. It was, it was three years ago when my career skyrocketed and I was standing right here and I slapped Charlotte Flair across the face. 
And now, now what you saw last night at Survivor Series, that was the culmination of almost a decade of love and hate and friendship and betrayal. And I came out here and I wanted to hurt her. I wanted to injure her, I wanted to embarrass her, I wanted to maim her. And she wanted to do the same to me, but you people, you loved every second of it, didn't you? Yeah, you loved every second of it. You didn't care who walked out of here a winner. You didn't care if either of us walked out of here at all. But of course I won. Of course I proved I was the best. That was never really a question. Certainly not to me anyway. But now, now that's done. That's done. We're over with that. We're, 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 we're turning the page onto a new chapter. Onto something fresh and new. Because you love something fresh and new, don't you? Yeah, you love something fresh and new. So who that's fresh and new would you like to see on top? How about my new number one contender, Liv Morgan? Yeah! Yeah! Man, it's, it's so funny because I used to put so much stock in your opinion until I realized you're so full of crap. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. You say you want something fresh and new, but I watched 10 women last night break their backs trying to prove themselves to you. And what did you do? You did your stupid little chants. And you did your stupid little wave. And you, you sang your stupid little songs, didn't you? Yeah, you did. But hey, 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 look, 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 look. This, this hurts me to say this. This hurts me to say this. But I actually agree with you. Because none of those 10 so-called superstars has what it takes to beat me, least of all Liv Morgan. And I hate to break it to you, Brooklyn. Not every underdog has its day. And I got a death grip on this title. And I don't give a damn whether you like it or not. Nobody is getting this title off of big time bets. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, it's time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. We're going to start off going over what happened at Survivor Series this past Sunday in Brooklyn. Um, my recommendation for WWE is to stop doing big-time events in Brooklyn uh, just for a little bit. Give it a break for a while. I know um, they want Brooklyn to be the mainstay for uh, their shows in New York. Uh, because of the fee in Madison Square Garden, and I could respect that. Um, but as a viewer and just somebody who's tired of hearing these Nimrods from Brooklyn, I would just say to not do a show in Brooklyn for a while. But I don't want that to be my over overarching take of my thoughts on Survivor Series uh, this past Sunday. I thought it was a solid show from top to bottom. I wouldn't say this was... The greatest Survivor Series of all time. I definitely would not say this was the worst Survivor Series of all time. But um, this show um, exceeded my expectations for it going into it for myself personally. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the wrestling on the show. I know a lot of people 
uh, let booking dictate their entire uh, thoughts of the show, but that's not why I watch this stuff. Booking this, booking that, booking this, booking that. Uh, take booking, roll up into a ball, turn that some bitch sideways, and stick it straight up your monkey ass. <laughs> that's my thoughts on booking. And look, um, I know a lot of people were upset over the fact that there was a lot of teases over The Rock, but when especially when it comes to professional wrestling in WWE, unless there's an outright literal advertisement that The Rock is going to show up, you got to take it with a grain of salt. There was nothing that was going into this pay-per-view or anything like that. Not even the, the Cleopatra egg that they made a storyline out of. Not even that convinced me that The Rock was going to show because... There's been pay-per-views that I thought The Rock was going to show because his movie was sponsored was sponsoring that particular pay-per-view. He never showed up. I'm kind of used to this drill, you know? <laughs> it's like you can tell the writing on the wall when somebody's going to show up and when they don't show up. Like the last legitimate surprise for me was uh, John Cena showed up at Money in the Bank. I, I was not expecting that. <laughs> That was a crazy moment. Um, so, you know, I I get it. A lot of people were wanting to see The Rock, and I think that's maybe one of their intrigues for going into the pay-per-view. And I can understand that disappointment, but I think a lot of us work, is, work ourselves into a shoot over stuff that we read on the internet and shows that we listen to and <laughs> the shows with the sources, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you guys my sources. My sources are my left eye and my right eye. You know, that that's the sources that I have in professional wrestling. And for me, um, you know, I look at things from a bigger picture standpoint. And I just didn't think now is going to be the time they pull the trigger on Rock and Roman Reigns. And if it doesn't happen in Jerry World this year, I don't think that's the end of the world. You know, you have a WrestleMania, by the way, the following year in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. So if the Rock... Doesn't wrestle at WrestleMania in Dallas next year. It's not the end of the world, and it doesn't mean we'll never have Roman Reigns and The Rock. WWE did not go out of the way to outright advertise that The Rock was going to show up. We're talking about the company that goes out of the way to mention things on social media before major shows with somebody popping up. If it's not the Royal Rumble, usually you'll get uh, announced ahead of time that somebody's replacing who and who in a match and et cetera, et cetera. Here, this insert person is showing up at uh, Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> Got another show that we're watching, you know? <laughs> so um, I want to get that stuff out of the way because I know that was a big takeaway from the pay-per-view. And just like, it's like, again, if my favorite didn't win a match, oh, the pay-per-view sucked. You know, I, I picked Drew McIntyre to become the sole survivor. That didn't happen. And, you know, it's the Survivor Series concept pay-per-view. The match itself, is it outdated? Does it need to be changed? Sure. But, again, if you look at the match for itself, you know, outside of the finishes and whoever got eliminated at this time by who, blah, 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 blah. The men's match I thought was very good. Uh, and I thought the women's match um, was good in the beginning and then kind of drifted off towards the end. That was kind of my takeaway from both the Survivor Series matches. I thought the men's was better than the ladies. Um, 
a little, a little bit clunky towards that end, and this whole stuff of getting Sasha Banks eliminated, I thought was stupid. Um, but you know, with the rest of the 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 Survivor Series elimination matches per se, I thought were really good. I also enjoyed the kickoff match with Shinsuke Nakamura and Damian Priest. Um, I'm glad <laughs> that somebody finally addressed Boogs and his playing guitar solos during matches. I thought uh, that was time somebody approached them for that. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to keep doing that or not. But it's like you're doing guitar solos. You know, it works for guitar solos if like Shinsuke Nakamura is fighting somebody like Baron Corbin or Sami Zayn. But if you have like a major title match or whatever, and look, Nakamura's a babyface again, so you don't need Boogs playing guitar to distract the heel in a match, you know? You don't need to do that. Like, if it's a clumsy character that's made to lose a lot and stuff like that, and that's the role in the company, more than fine with that. But if it's like a major title match, or a major TV match, you don't have to do that all the time. You know, if it blues want to do the guitar solo when Nakamura does the good vibration things, you know, where he starts choking somebody with his boot, he calls that good vibration, you know, that's why he does in the corner. You want to do that more than fine with me. But um, I think that uh, the match is good uh, despite all the shenanigans on the outside. Um, of course, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and I'm not talking about myself. I'm speaking about <laughs> Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Uh, one of my favorite matches that I've transcribed this year so far. Definitely one of the best women's matches I typed out this year. Actually, I enjoyed this match more than Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, uh, the hardcore match that everybody touts all the time. I love the physicality. I love the intensity. Uh, I loved how the match layout went out, and it, it was just a gem. If you haven't seen Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, go out of your way to watch it. It was damn good. Um, I got no comment in regards to the Pizza Hut Battle Royal. That was what it was. Um, I loved. I, I really enjoyed the match with New Day and uh, not New Day. My bad. RK Bro and the Usos. Uh, I thought that was a very good match as well. I don't want that to be slept under the rug. Um, I thought it was a very good match. Um, Randy Orton's the fucking man. <laughs> you know, Randy Orton's uh, still been one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, so it's cool to see him continue to elevate himself. And RK is a good team, and it's a good concept group. And, you know, that's another big match you can do as a grudge match at WrestleMania, you know. And they have a rooted history with each other now. And I'm just enjoying the ride, you know, like, for me as a wrestling fan, I'm, this is the wrestling fan in me, Joshie speaking, I want to enjoy the moments when it happens. I don't want to put my fancy booker head and forecast when somebody's going to turn heel on somebody, you know what I mean? I just want it to, like, play out, and I'm curious to see the story they go with whenever it does happen. Like, I'm not forecasting when somebody should or should not turn heel on somebody, that's not why I do this stuff. So, um, anyways, I thought that was cool. Uh, a very good match. And then uh, the Tribal Chief and Big E, pretty solid main event. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good match. Um, I, I thought it was really good. So, overall, I'll give Survivor Series a B- minus or B. Uh, I, I wouldn't say this was a 
horrible Survivor Series or a great Survivor Series. Uh, that was a solid pay-per-view, and I, I enjoyed it for the most part. So that's my review for Survivor Series. Uh, really quick, going into Raw this past Monday, uh, I thought it was a very good show from top to bottom. It had a lot of crazy twists and turns throughout the show. You guys heard the clip of Becky's promo where she slaughtered the new, uh, the Brooklyn Nimrods. I thought that was great. Speaking of Nimrods, I, I hate that I even had to address this because this should be common sense here. But that doesn't seem to apply to people uh, in the wrestling universe. Stop jumping over the fucking guardrails, you nincompoops. Seriously. You got this dude, this young guy, 24 years old, running and tackling Seth Rollins after he does like an injury beatdown on Finn Balor, right? For what? What are you getting yourself out of that, you freaking mark? Like, I, I, I don't get the logic of going after somebody that could possibly potentially injure the dude and you're going to just do that on worldwide television? Stop jumping over the barricades and the guardrails. It's not going to end well for you. Uh, I thought Seth Rollins handled the whole situation like a pro. He could have really messed him up. And I wouldn't blame him if he did. Uh, but again, it just it sucks. Like This is a, a wrestling entertainment promotion that you know presents wrestling. This is an entertainment company, an entertainment corporation that presents wrestling in their entertainment platform, right? And this is the wrestling company that has a lot of the families come out with their kids. This is a different vibe. It's not your mom and pop shop like AEW or Impact or et cetera, et cetera. This is not, this is like a big corporate uh, uh, entertainment conglomerate like Disney on Ice or Marvel on Ice or any of these like live touring events that go throughout the year at like United Center or anywhere uh, you live from where you're listening to this podcast. You know when I talk about those type of shows. WWE is at that point. Like this is the family based entertainment uh, promotion. You bring your fans, your family to the show. And you got a freaking idiot running and attacking the wrestlers from behind. And you're trying to ruin the mystique of what the business is supposed to be. Because you want to make a name out of yourself. You want to, you want to, you want your name out and the press and stuff. Is it really worth getting yourself arrested and banned from wrestling events and any events at certain arenas because you had to jump the guardrail? Like, how stupid do you have to be to even consider that? To even just your thought of trying to test your luck against a professional athlete and most professional wrestlers are tougher than some of your favorite UFC fighters and that's the shoot I don't need to bring up the names you guys that listen to the podcast know what I'm talking about Uh, the fact that this happened on Monday is just sad it's unfortunate it's a shame on the Brooklyn security people and it's something I wish never happens. You know, uh, this happened a couple of months ago at an AEW show when they first started touring again. I think it was like I think it was like that first dynamite in Miami. Somebody tried to jump the guardrail and attack Chris Jericho. Like, like I, you guys know how I feel about Chris Jericho and the whole AEW stuff right now. But like, even then, I don't want that to happen at an AEW show. I don't want that to happen at any show. Not even an indie show. 
you do not belong to jump over that guardrail. You have no right to do that. Know your know your role and stay in your lane. Hell, I'm a wrestling fan. I work in the wrestling media. You're not gonna see me jump over a guardrail and try and test my luck against a wrestler. One, I'm not stupid. Two, I never want to be a wrestler. And three, again, I'm not stupid. So, I hate the fact that that happened. That took a, a lot of focus away from the show because it shouldn't have been that way. Um, you know, so... That's just unfortunate. Those things should not happen. And I hate when it does happen. And it's it's very unfortunate. But, um... You know, we had some other good stuff on the show for Raw this past Monday. I thought it was a very good show from top to bottom. Um, we had... At uh, we had obviously Becky's promo. I thought Matt Riddle and uh, Dolph Ziggler was pretty good. Uh, you know, we also had um, I thought Seth's promo before his match with Finn Balor thought was good. Uh, it f- ended up being Austin Theory <laughs> being the guy who um, found the golden egg for Mr. McMahon, and he got himself a towel shot against Vicky, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, joined the match here with Rhea Ripley, uh, Nikki A, SH, and Carmella and Queen Selena. Shout out to, shout out, as, uh, Pat McAfee would say. Shout out to, uh, Queen Zelina and Carmella. They are your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, as I predicted on the podcast last week. Um... Happy to see that for those two ladies. I think they deserve it, so I thought that was really cool. Um, also, we had uh, Bobby Lashley saying F them kids and just destroying the Mysterio family, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, and then, of course, we had um, Damian Priest and Sami Zayn, solid match for the U.S. title. And then Biggie and Austin Theory. I thought it was a good match. It was a good opportunity for Austin Theory to have his first main event opportunity on Raw. Uh, good spotlight for him. I thought he carried himself very well in the ring with uh, Big E. Austin Theory has a bright future for him. And I like how he's been presented uh, since he's been called up from NXT. So I thought that was cool. And it continues down the story with Big E and uh, Big E, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. So overall, Raw gets a thumbs up for me this week. Uh, again, three hours is three hours. <laughs> Not everything is going to be a hit. But for the most part, I enjoyed Raw for what it was. Uh, tomorrow night, as I'm recording this on a Thursday night, we got Friday Night Smackdown. Uh, and um, <laughs> I don't know where they're having Smackdown tomorrow night. But anyways, um, there's Smackdown that's going to be on Fox tomorrow. And uh, we get to see who's going to go after the Travel Chief as we get closer to this WWE Day 1 pay-per-view. Now remember, folks. There's no WWE pay-per-views in December this year. Survivor Series was the last one. So we got a little bits of time here to start plotting out some feuds, start, start plotting out some potential matches that we may see at day one. And maybe I can make like some predictions for that uh, later on in the coming episode or something like that. But um, overall, I thought Raw was good. Uh, shout out to NXT UK. I thought it was very good. Episode this week, uh, Jordan Devlin and Mark Andrews tore the house down, uh, and also Noam Dar and Sam Gredwell. Very good match for the Heritage Cup Championship. And by the way, Aaliyah James, you just made the list on the waterfall list. 
my god, what a beautiful woman, man. A beautiful, beautiful woman. So, anyways, that's my thoughts on what happened this week in WWE. And, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on WWE this week. All right, really quick, uh, before we get to our main event segment this week, I want to go over briefly and really quick and talk about the uh, standings right now for the New Japan Best of Super Juniors Tournament and World's Hag League. Uh, I got, I think starting on Saturday, I have four straight shows to do. I got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So all the way up to the 30th. Um, man, that's going to be insane. <laughs> a lot of shows to type on down in a couple of days. But anyways, here's the update stands in the Best of Super Juniors Tournament. Um, we have Yoshinobu Canberra. Tied with Show at first place, four and one. Cam Barrow stole a victory from Show in the past previous um, event for the best super juniors, which was Wednesday. Uh, got to type that down. That was a good match. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi, uh, three one and one. He has seven points. Um, he lost uh, a match to Show out of the gate, but he's been. On a winning streak, and then of course he had that time limit draw with El Desperado. So three one and one for Hiromu El Desperado. Aforementioned two two one, he has five points. Uh, Taji Shimori has six. Uh, we have a, a batch of performers here that have the same records: Master Wato, Bushi, El Fantasmo, Doki, and Takuchi all have four points, and Yo. Got his first victory of the Best of Super Juniors this past Wednesday, beating uh, Risuke Taguchi. So, uh, good big shout out to Yo for finally getting on the scoreboard. Um, we got events coming up in New Japan, like I said, this weekend. Um, I'm kind of surprised they're doing the double tap of Best of Super Juniors because it's been Best of Super Juniors one day, World Tag League the next. But, you know, after. Um, Best of Super Juniors uh, from Wednesday, uh, you know, coming up on Saturday, we're back at it again <laughs> uh, with Best of Super Juniors. And then Sunday will be um, World Tag League. And then Monday, Cork and Hall, Best of Super Juniors. And then World Tag League and Cork and Hall on November 30th, which will be a Tuesday. So. Wrapping up a crazy month in November of pro wrestling action for New Japan on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to bookmark the page right now while you're listening to this. You guys can see all my transcripts from New Japan. Let's give you the standings really quick for the World Tag League since I last talked to you. Uh, the last show they did was last Tuesday from uh, Colts Kawasaki in Ken- uh, Kanagawa, Japan. Um, let me get down to the standings first. Uh, the World Tag League match has been fun to type out. Some kind of slower than others because we have a lot of veterans in this uh, tournament this year. So they decided to do 12 tag teams in this tournament. Uh, so <laughs> some of these shows are long to type out, but it's been worth it in more ways than one. But right now, as we speak right now, here's the stands for the World Tag League. At f- number one position, we have Naito and Sonata. They have eight points Equaling four victories, basically you get two points for every victory you get, and one point for any uh, no contests or draws or you know ties and stuff like that. So um, the Great Okada and Hanare United Empire, 
uh, have a big batch tie here with Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, Tanahashi, and Toriano, G.O.D., Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto, and Bala Fale and Chase Owens all have three wins and one loss uh, separately. Uh, no, three wins and one loss collectively. There you go. Evil and Yujiro have two wins and two losses. Hiroshi Tenzan and Kojima Tenkozi have one win and three losses. And then at the bottom of the barrel, we have Makabe and Hamba, Nagata and Tiger Mask and Suzuki, and Takamichinoku at Michinoku at 0-4. So there, my friends, is your update for the New Japan Best of Super Juniors 28 Tournament and World Tag League 2021 Tour here. And here's your update right here on the Hoots Podcast. Alright, on that note, it's time to give the people what they want, right? It's time to give the people what they need. It's time, my friends, for another stellar edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start this bad, bad boy off in a 3 It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Alright, alright, alright. Time for another edition of What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W, a.k.a. What Isn't. Wrong with AEW flying solo this week. Man, boy, I, I, I'll tell you what, man. AEW this week was brought to you by AEW Dark and Elevation. Outside of one wonderful and brilliant segment, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. If you guys don't understand what the concept of what the hell is wrong with AEW, it's not what the, te- the, uh, the name of the segment represents. It's us... Pointing out some things that Wrestling Twitter would not tell you because, according to Wrestling Twitter, AW is Teflon and they do absolutely nothing wrong. I, on the other hand, try to watch the show from a fair perspective and hold them to elite standards. After all, this company is called All Elite Wrestling, so I'm expecting something elite. And as somebody who spends more time covering shows than, uh, spend more time on promotions outside of WWE than the time that I do cover WWE shows. I have a high standard uh, of what's unique and what's really an alternative. So if I disagree with some of your favorite AEW superstars, it's not a knock on you as a person or anything like that. We have a dis- we have a, a agree to disagreement scenario that we have here, but it's not it's nothing personal or anything like that. It's really to point out more of the more annoying aspects of the AEW fan base because. Believe it or not, folks, your boy is actually a fan of AEW. Your boy actually is part of the AEW fan base. Irregardless of whatever you hear in this segment, <laughs> I am a fan of AEW. I want it to be good, but I'm not just going to put everything that they do over just because they're a new company and blah, blah, blah. I'm a wrestling podcast host. I hate the WWE. I got to put over everything AEW does. That's not the show for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to come here and lie to you guys. But we do have positive stuff that we do talk about here. And uh, I, I like to start off with that. And I don't want to waste any time. Let's get into the stuff with CM Punk and MJF. 
Um, I was thinking about possibly sharing some clips from that segment here for you guys. I I was thinking about that, but the clip is 18 minutes long, and I don't really want to waste a lot of my uh, storage stuff here on my computer, my uh, MacBook Air that I use to record the shows. Um, so I was I was considering sharing some of the clips from that segment because I thought it was just um, one of the best uh, pieces of work that AEW's put together since the company's uh, started. I will say that, but, you know, some of the tweets I've seen, oh, this was the best segment in pro wrestling in 20 years. Hey, if you feel that way, more power to you. I'm not going to come in here and tell you that you're an idiot or anything like that, but I will say, uh, I think that's a little bit of cap. Um, <laughs> look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You guys know me. I call space fade when it comes to AEW. Um, I don't put everything they put. I don't put over everything they do, but I will give credit where credit's due. For me, this is one of my favorite segments and one of my favorite things that AEW has done as a whole as a company. So I do give credit where credit's due. Uh, I love this segment. I thought it was everything it needed to be. All the zingers that you would expect both guys to throw at each other, I thought it was just phenomenal. Uh, the stuff with MGF bringing up John Cena and Triple H, I thought it was great. Uh, same thing with Punk <laughs> saying MGM has a needle dick and all this other stuff. Uh, calling him a less famous news, I thought that was a great line. Um, I really enjoyed it, man. And again, it's a showcase of what I've been saying here on this show and why I feel bad for the dude is that MGF is the best performer that AEW has, yet you don't see it in how he's presented. And I thought MJF knocked it out of the park in this segment. Because you don't have these opportunities where you have a first face-to-face conversation with a guy that's known for cutting amazing promos, right? And have these face-offs on the microphone in long talking segments. You know, it's kind of a secret swim thing. It's time for you to uh, uh, put up or shut up, you know what I mean, in these type of scenarios. And I thought MJF knocked it out of the fucking park. And I thought Punk was fantastic too, man. You know, it's it's cool. I, I, I they're at Win Trust. It, it is what it is. But I I I thought it was really cool. It was a fantastic segment uh, for both guys. You know, MJ talked about that he represents everything that CM Punk hates about uh, professional wrestling. I thought that was a great line too. It was just it was really 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 good. If you haven't seen it yet, go out of your way to watch it. Uh, I can't be more positive than to say it was brilliant and it's the best thing that AEW's done as a company is this segment. Uh, I thought it was damn good and um, MJF is in a class of his own and I'm glad to see my favorite wrestler back to form again on TV. I I loved it. I thought it was fucking awesome. So good to the fact that I need a swig of water, pal. (laughs) Anyways, um... So that's my thoughts on NGF and CM Punk stuff. We're at just the beginning stage of that. I'm sure there'll be some more promo segments as the weeks go on, but uh, I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, Punk's match with uh, Paul Blart, uh, Doug Heffernan, or Tony Sperano, whatever you want to call him, QT Marshall. Uh, I, I thought the match was fine. Uh, outside the, the CM Punk stuff with NGF, I really... I didn't care about this episode of Dynamite. Not one bit. 
I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat things with you guys. I I thought this episode of Dynamite was trash outside of the CM Punk and MJF segment. Um, you know, I mean, where do I even start here? Uh, the Gun Club against Bear Country belongs on YouTube. Um, we're going to have Adam Cole and Bobby Fish against Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Yuta on Rampage. Who gives a shit? Uh, I don't know why that feud... With uh, Jurassic Express and Elite are still going on. I just don't get that. Uh, Here's a question I have for you guys. Who says no backstage? Like, who's the actual filter of AW? Please don't tell me Tony Khan. Because the filter for Tony Khan is Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. Outside of the Wrestling Observer creative team bubble... Who, who, who's the person backstage in AW that says, no, this is stupid? I'm really curious about that because when you listen to the broadcast and you hear their announcing, glad-handing everybody, gaslighting everybody, Tony Schiavone putting everything over, everything is great. JR says that every segment and every show he's on right now is the greatest thing he's ever done in his career. Like, you could feel like... JR is doing a watch-long commentary of Dynamite instead of actually doing play-by-play and then feeding in some lines that Tony Khan gives him while the show goes on. Tony Schiavone, (laughs) all due respect, I respect everything you've done in the business. I enjoy your backstage interviews and stuff like that. It's kind of a shame. I kind of like your uh, play-by-play commentary on Elevation more than what you do on Dynamite. But... When it comes to Dynamite specifically and the bigger shows for AEW, you, my friend, are full of cap. First off, Brian Danielson is not undefeated in AEW. Yep, Brian Danielson made quick work of Cole Cabana, didn't he? This past week on uh, Dynamite. But Brian Danielson is not undefeated. He lost a Mud Show tag team match right out of the gate when he first came in. So he's not undefeated. Is he undefeated in singles competition? That's a question. Is he undefeated in singles question? Uh, I'll say no again because he had a time limit draw with Kenny Olivier. So Karen Danielson has a tie, basically. I never thought I would say this. Brian Danielson and the Detroit Lions has something in common in 2021. They both have a fucking tie. Do with that what you will. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that right there. Um. Oh, yes. Our favorite our favorite feature here on the What the Hell is Wrong with AW. Time to talk about shitty officiating again. So, Jamie Hayter and Thunder Rosa were the entire matches. Everybody's just punching each other in the back and rarely... Next to nothing wrestling. Uh, I thought this match long overstayed its welcome. I, I felt like the picture picture part felt like 10 minutes instead of 3 minutes, which is supposed to be. Um, I did not enjoy this match. Dunder Rosa won, uh, but it was just a lot of shenanigans going on. He had Rebel and Britt Baker out there. The Dead Corpse refs. Like, it, it's, here's the thing with him. Like, you can tell that he's seeing what's going on behind his back, too. That's the problem. 
like you can see from the corner eye, he's seeing what Britt Baker is trying to get Rosa in position for the the super kick, right? And all this is going to take 30 seconds to get, like, Jimmy Hayter to get Rosa in position to do this spot where Baker accidentally uh, kicks Hayter and causes her to match. Okay, I get the, the point where they want to go for the story from there. But, again, you're making your referees look stupid. I thought the ending of that match was extra, extra sloppy. And I did not enjoy that match at all. Not one bit. Um... My thoughts on Dante Martin joining Team Taz. Yeah, that's it. I I got no comment. I I <laughs> Team Taz right now is useless. All due respect, man. I love Ricky Starks. Uh, I I like Will Hobbs and stuff, but the group has nothing since uh, outside of their program with Brian Cage. Nothing that's gone on with. Team Taz has been anything of consequence, you know? Um, so, t- Dante Martin joined Team Taz. whoop did he do By the way, I have zero interest in watching Eddie Kingston in a feud with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. And to follow up that point, I'd like to say that Daniel Garcia does absolutely nothing for me. If I wanted to see his style of wrestling and his lack of charisma, I'll just pull up Zack Sabre Jr. matches because he's basically ripping them off. There's nothing unique about the guy. And listen to the promos he cuts. I love I love the 2.0 guys. I, I was a big fan of the Ever-Rise, but this whole thing where they're calling a grown man who's supposed to be taken seriously as this like shooter type of performer... As his as their son, I I just don't get it, man. It's just a lot of the comedy, goofy shit that they do there in AEW sometimes. And then, I'm, I, it's one thing watching a clown show, which is my Chicago Bears, every single week. But nothing in entertainment and sports is nothing resembles clown more than an AEW multi-person tag match. Nothing. It's a clown show, it's a mud show, it's a whatever you want to attach it. it, it a shit show. <laughs> Every multi-person tag match in AW completely sucks ass. So we have Cody Rhodes, Pac, and the Lucha Brothers against Malachi Black, Andrade El Del Rio, and FTR. A lot of moves. Some... Spots for his end that I liked. But again, another sloppy match. And here's the thing. Malachi Black is supposed to give the black mask to Cody Rose and knock him off the ring apron. Aubrey Edwards being the best referee in the world, right? In a position, she gets in the way and ends up black kicking her in the ribs in the process instead of actually going through the spot. Because we got to have Aubrey Edwards be in the middle of everything. She has to get her camera time. We need Aubrey Edwards to get her face time. we got to sell Aubrey, audience, Aubrey Edwards to the audience. We need to get Aubrey Edwards over. we got to make Aubrey Edwards look strong. I watched this match. It was just there. Another AEW multi-person tag match where people don't know when to hold the tag rope. Or... When they're trying to run to the ring. 
again, I keep mentioning this. It's a shame because I like this tag team. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of FTR. But they have relegated themselves to being like the Young Bucks. Run into the ring after a tag is in. Uh, you know, do the stupid spot where they're holding on to their tag partner from the ring apron. Like, during like a, a domino stretch. You know what I mean? It's one thing for cutting the ring in half. And then... Two is one thing to make the referee stupid. The fact that you need to do two spots and tags, in and out tags, every 25 seconds in a tag match is freaking ridiculous. And again, the stupid simultaneous tag stuff needs to stop. I've seen that a lot on Dark this week, and it's, it's sloppy. Again, you're making your referees look stupid. The referees are a key essential figure to what the match is. If you're making them look, look stupid because they're the, the actual person guiding you through the match, then what's the point of having the match? What's the point of having a tag match if everybody's running into the ring like fucking idiots and clumsy hyenas from Lion King and we're getting these brouhaha brawls on the outside all the time? Just call it a tornado match. Don't even call it tag. Don't even call it a tag team match. Don't tell me that AEW has the best tag team division in wrestling. Because they can't even have a fucking tag match if they're like dependent on it. A proper 10-man tag or 6 or 8 or 12. or I remember uh, there was like a 16-man tag team match last year uh, during the COVID stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> Seriously, I'm my friend my friends, please stop doing these trios matches, these eight man tag matches, and stop having Aubrey Edwards and the Dead Courts rep be the referees for those said matches too. On that note, my friends, that is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. This has been What the Hell is Wrong? With A-E-W! Alright guys, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me. hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hoots Podcast. This is my early Christmas gift for you guys. Um, this is a little treat for you guys as you guys go on your Black Friday shopping. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend. I don't think there's any pay-per-views going on this week, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Thumbs up for that. But, uh, I would, again, thank you for the support, everybody. I love you guys. Remember, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I love you all. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back here next week for episode 286 of the Hoots Podcast. As the countdown to 300 continues, glad the Bears won and avoid even further embarrassment by losing to the Detroit Lions today. My God. On that note, I'm Joshy. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys next week right here on the Hoots Podcast. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>